You're listening to Punk Theology, punktheology.com, at Punk Theology Pod on Twitter, or the Facebook page, the Facebook group, Punk Theology Pub. Facebook, come check us out if you dare. <laughs> Here we go. I give you guys my theory on sports. A deep take and a light topic. My theory is that people that were super passionate about <laughs> politics and are ruining their relationships and everybody around them and being all uh, tribal about something that really does matter uh, and getting all hot and heated and making poor decisions because they're all upset about something that ultimately does affect all of us. My theory is that sports are important for, well, not necessarily sports, but the the hole that sports fill is allowing people to be passionate about something that doesn't matter. Because oh, if yeah. they had taken that energy and put it into a sports team, which doesn't matter at all, uh, it allows them to, to embrace that tribalism, that you know, that absurdity, that that uh, fanaticism, yeah. yeah, without doing any harm. Nobody gets hurt. The topic is going to happen. We don't even have a topic. There's a four of us this week. So well, we're at two-thirds yes, capacity. <laughs> two-thirds capacity this week, and uh, welcome to Punk Theology. My name is Russ Shaw. Derek. Hello. Steve. Hello. The Chuckmeister. Good morning. Good there you go. It's not really good morning. morning, afternoon, good, morning. good evening. Hey, it depends on when you listen, right? Sure. And so, so uh, today's topic is just life, life in the summertime, right? I don't know. This, How, is, a, this is a bullshit topic because we've had two weeks of very heavy topics, heavy. so we just need to talk about some bullshit. So yeah, there you go. We spent all evening already talking about some bullshit, so we're just going to record the bullshit this time. That's right. I feel like that's where bromance happens. That's right. The bullshit? Yeah, some, just a, enough deep... Conversation with a good variety of just straight bullshit. <laughs> you know how are, how's your baseball team doing? Right, they suck. Yeah, you a Steelers fan or a Pirates fan? Pirate. Nobody's a Pirates fan. Uh, <laughs> Chuck from Pittsburgh over here. Yeah, I grew up in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, no, not a Steelers fan. Although I would, if I would have lived in your generation, Steve. Uh, I would have been because the steel curtain was mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Jack uh, Lambert, no, Roethlisberger fan. No, but the Penguins, on the other hand, I watch hockey every day, all day, and they did just kind of win the Stanley Cup again. Oh, yeah, right. Two years in a row. What's your feeling on Sidney Crosby? He's a blankety blank blank blank. That's what I hear from hockey aficionados. Yeah, he's he he's kind of cheap. But he's good, I guess. Sports are important for well, not necessarily sports, but the the hole that sports fill is allowing people to be passionate about something that doesn't matter. So just take all that raw, angry energy, put it into some bullshit argument online on ESPN <laughs> that nobody will ever win. But at least, right? At least you got that energy out, uh-huh. and then you can go and when you know it comes to things like politics, go to the voting booth and and make a decision that you aren't all hot and heavy about. So that's my theory on sports. Or like, you know, Comic-Con's the same thing. Like, just get nerdy about something. Get really, really passionate and tribal about something that doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Um, That's kind of my There is an interesting paradigm with the thoughts of idolatry in there, which is is not just a a theological word, but they use it in psychology to, to explain in a simple way like people who are just wild fanatics, right? Like, and I think a lot of guys are like that in some sense. Like when the Seahawks lose, 
they just go into a downward spiral. I do a little bit. <laughs> the, <laughs> next, the next day is rough when the Seahawks <laughs> lose. It's a little bit like I feel a little bit shitty when yeah. the Seahawks lose. I always find it interesting when you're talking to those people and they say, we lost. It's like, wait a second. You weren't on the field. <laughs> you were at home. There's a 12 man. Just because it's a 12 man, Chuck. Just because you're sitting on your television and scream louder than, I don't know, the Denver Broncos fan. But that's the beauty of it. It doesn't have to make logical sense. Like, right? Like, that, that person, if that person cared about <coughs> politics, they would be the worst asshole in the world. I'd hate it. But them. they don't. They no. care about sports, which doesn't fucking matter a little, even a little bit. And they can be all stupid about it, and it's beautiful. Like, yeah. right? Like, it's a safe place to go be stupid. Yeah. So and that's God, awesome. Does God care about who wins? I don't know. Maybe. They sure pray a lot, though, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how often do you hear that? Uh, I'm, I'm praying. You know, you're down by one point. Or, you know, it's tied. Three minutes left. All right. Oh. But I think that what I think is interesting about that, though, I was thinking about this, and uh, it's like we're getting into consciousness, right? You start thinking about different levels of consciousness. So I think that when when a sports team like the Seahawks, Russell Wilson's a big Christian guy, you know, he's bringing, and the players after the game, different players from different teams are coming, praying, like a circle at the end of the thing. Mm -hmm. But at the beginning of the game. People laugh, you know, say, oh, well, you know, they're praying to their God and they're praying to their God. I don't necessarily think that. I think that it's tapping into a different level of consciousness. Like, I am, uh, this is going to be an event, you know. I mean, these guys, some of these guys' careers live and die on these games. And so I want to tap into a power that's greater than myself. And to get on my knees and to do that gives me some kind of, I don't know, it's like that's in us human beings, right? It's a spiritual outlet to to tap into something bigger than myself well if you let me ruin it with my theory on science (laughs) i think part of what's happening is prayer is a form of meditation right yeah so it disengages that frontal lobe that is you know sitting there thinking about the future and worrying and you know and you know if you know if if you played much sports you know the worst thing you can do is start thinking Right? You just got to get out there and you just got to do what your muscles know how to do. And the more drawn away from your brain you are, the better you're off you are. So I think that's why prayer is so helpful for those guys. It's because if you know they just throw it all on God, right? Uh-huh. They just suck back from, from that part of their brain that's processing. And they just go out and they play. And that's kind of my theory on choke versus clutch, right? Like uh, someone that chokes is someone when they get under a lot of pressure, all of a sudden their frontal lobe engages and they start thinking. Yeah. Like, oh, like, I got to think my way out of it. And all of that muscle memory just goes to pot, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, they can't even fucking throw a football, even though they've been doing it for 20 years or something like that, right? They, they just make the stupidest mistakes. And then, and then clutch would be the opposite of that, right? Like, we see this with Russ. We see this with uh, Russell Wilson. We see this with Tom Brady. Like, like comes down to the end of the game, and just all of a sudden, something clicks, and they're just in it, and they're in the zone. It's like, why didn't you fucking play like that all game? Uh, right? Like, why do you always have to wait for the last two minutes? I think it's because the stress kicks in, and the stress is like, like just completely turns off the front of their brain. Uh, and it's, they basically turn into an animal, right? Like, they're like a deer. Yeah. Like, they're just not, they're, they're not thinking at all, and they're just doing everything off of animal instinct and letting their muscles take over. So I think that's, Michael Jordan had probably one of his greatest playoff games. He was sick. over. Yeah. He was sick. Physically ill. Uh-huh. And he had an incredible game because, and I've heard of guys in baseball, same way. They'll be sick, physically sick, and all they can do is get on the field. But when they get there, the adrenaline kicks, and they're not thinking about anything, and, they're, and they have a great game. Well, Chamberlain's 100-point game. He, was, he had the flu, and he was all super hungover. King Felix, when he did that, <coughs> I think, he, is, he, is he the only Mariner who pitched a perfect game? Yep. So he pitched that perfect game, and it's funny how the other – the other teammates kind of were like, we're not going to mess with him. Like, they saw he was, like, in the zone. They go, yeah. that guy's in the zone. Like, don't even go. Don't, don't even don't don't distract him. Don't do exactly. Don't wave at him. Just let him do, like, whatever's flowing out of him right now and then, and is I think, you know, pure awesomeness. Is that thing, if you, if you conceive of the fact that you're pitching a perfect game, yeah, all of a sudden you start thinking it, about it. Yeah, and then, yeah. But if you're just in there and doing it, you're not paying attention, and you're just pure animal... Right, and you're just not. You just. I'm just doing what I'm doing. I'm in the moment. I'm not even thinking about the future. Not thinking about the past. Not anywhere conceptual. Just pure raw animal. That's where you need to be. It's not even professional. Is the professional level either? So I played football in high school, 
that I was a kid when I started, and then I wrestled as well. Um, and when I first went to to college, I played football and realized very quickly that that's a job and screw that shit. But it, <clears throat> anyway, the they were teaching us this drill, um, and it was just really thoughtful, step by step, showing us how to do it, and then it's repeat, repeat, and repeat, and it's okay. We're gonna do this like full speed, okay? Go run a mile first. Uh, no, I gotta remember how to do this, right? <laughs> but we, you know, you run your mile, you come back, and you run at full speed, and you execute it perfectly, because you've forgot about what you were doing and your muscles had enough time to learn it in the beginning and then your brain had enough time to forget it yeah it's awesome yeah interesting that was why i always struggled at sports i tended to do better at sports when i was pissed and that was for that reason because i just stopped thinking because i was so pissed off and i thought it was just you know the anger that was motivating me i think it was more the fact that it was easier for me to get in the zone if i was pissed off just because I stopped thinking about stuff. I got better at sports when I learned how to turn off my head. Yeah. And turn off my... I've done some public speaking, and it usually freaked me out in the beginning, but depending on what I had to say, how it flowed out, either went really well or really bad. Like There was two incidences where I, I showed up at a thing and somebody handed me a microphone. And uh, one of them went really bad. It was didn't go really bad, but I didn't feel like I nailed it. Like, I walked away and went, dropped the mic moment. Like, yeah, I said what I wanted to say. But that's where I track with Henry Rollins a little bit. Because I think that when I'm angry or when I feel intensely about something, then I, I tend to have one of those kind of drop the mic kind of moments. Like, something's fucked in the world and I want to... Like, I mean, that's part of this podcast, right? Like, part of what we're doing here a little bit. How much of that is you actually know what you're speaking and, or not? Like, you're you're making this... Not making this shit up, but it's you're trying to fake it. Like, I, you see it in the professional world all the time. You know, Bob has to give a speech. Uh-huh. He didn't really know what the fuck he's talking about. And so he's trying to, you know, bullshit his way through his speech. And he get, gets done. And you're like, wow, that... He was really nervous. Well, no, he just didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. He wasn't not necessarily nervous. It's that spirit ego thing, right? Yeah. I mean, the spirit wasn't in control or, you know, to use. And you could, we could talk about science, too. I think it's a both and. Right. I'm not a, no, I'm, no, it's spiritual, Derek. <laughs> Stop talking about the frontal lobe. Science versus religion. <laughs> We're on opposite teams. Yeah, exactly. No, it's both and. At least science has lasers. Yeah, the sun. <laughs> that's yeah, <right>. More power. <laughs> so yeah, it's getting into that uh, ego versus spirit. You know, what are we talking about? I do a lot of public speaking too, and I find the faster I can get to a point where I'm engaging the audience, the better I do. Yeah. So if I get up there and I just start talking, and it's a dead, you know, it feels yeah. like stand-up comedy, right? <laughs> like if it's a dead audience and nobody is interacting with me, like I start to bomb quickly. Yeah. Uh, but the, if I can find one person that's like engaged, you know, or it's a couple, you know, hopefully it's a couple people. If I can find just one person that's engaged, and I can just mind. do the whole rest of my of my presentation right. to that person. Basically, uh, it just flows so much. I've heard comedians better. say that too. Half of it is just getting the audience to like you. Right. And if they like you, you've got them. It doesn't even matter if you're funny. <laughs> right. Being funny is important. But if they like you, the people focus so much on material and getting the right jokes down. But, yeah, man, you got to get, get the audience to like you. See, I've always looked out in my public speaking. It's always been factual. Yeah. You know, and so it's, it's easy right. to just, you just talk about A, and then you talk about B, C comes next. And then you're done. Yeah. And there's, I don't really care if they're engaged. I don't care if it's over their head. It's just hear the facts, and now I'm done. Yeah. Because of my past, I get, <clears throat> I get people that I think are cerebral about, about religion, right? So they meet someone like myself, and they go, so how did you stop your sin and ways and turn to the Lord? You know, <laughs> they want to hear that story. They want to hear the, you know, when did the switch flipped and you went from sinner to saint? Boy, I come want to know Jesus. that story. When did you get that come to Jesus and moment? Then, and then you blow away and you're like, I'm still 
Yeah. Well, I say, I say the come to Jesus moment is something I did what I did this morning. Thursday. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. You know, it's like <clears throat> it's not a you just arrive somewhere and you're sober because well, because the, the God the lightning bolts came down and fixed me and that does I've heard people I don't know I'm skeptical but I've had I've met people who say that like I had a, a spiritual boom in it and I never touched heroin again yeah and I believe those people exist I believe that they're not that they're the exception to the rule right <laughs> you know? most of feel, us have to work out our faith I used to feel cheated when I would hear someone say that oh like, yeah wait a second like fuck you like or I'd go God, to Calvinism. Why did God do that to me? Right. I'd go to, well, maybe I'm not elect. No, you're not. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not elect. That guy's elect. Steve uh, and I were talking about that at, at dinner. That discussion came up as well. Yeah. What's that? Elect. The, the, elect. Being the elect. Yeah. You know, it's, there's... I think the obviously. Mariners are elect <clears throat> this year. No. Sorry, I cut you. But <laughs> who were the, who are the Mariners? <laughs> that, that Seattle baseball team? Oh. I think they played the Pirates once and lost. They got swept by the Phillies, too. Yeah, they got swept by the Phillies. But we beat the the Rangers, who were number one. We won like two or three games with those guys, which was amazing because they were number one. And then we lose to the worst team in baseball. It's like, what the fuck? So driving Uber and Lyft all day, I met a bartender, and she she goes, Oh, yeah, Robson Cano, I see him around. And, and she's like, I go, really? He goes, yeah, he likes himself a drink. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that's, I don't know. Putting two to, see, there I sound like a religious person now, don't I? I just right. judged Robertson Cano. But he's been hitting the ball. That's the one good fucking player we have on that baseball team. So do you lean towards elect or not? Elect or people elect? Yeah. Or not? Well, it's in the Bible. I, I, think, I, that, I think that what he's talking about there. No, 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 no. I didn't ask you if it's in the Bible. What do you lean towards? What do you mean? Do you, do you believe I think it's a, I think it's more complex than than uh, than that kind of yes or no. Thing. Okay. So I would say that it's it's like Derek said about getting out of your head, <clears throat> right? Like I think that when we think about our faith too much, we're like choking. <laughs> so maybe he threw that in there, this elect thing, to get these religious assholes out of their heads, because Paul was constantly. You know, poking and prodding the Pharisees, like Jesus did. Um, and I think that's what, because he was a Pharisee. So I think he still had a little of that going on, but that's one of the, that's, in my interpretation, which that and $12 in downtown Seattle get you a cup of coffee. Uh, but that's my interpretation of how I, how I unpack I lacked. I think that that's maybe what he was going after at that time okay. when that was written. Because there's a lot of, like Rob Bell's did this book, not that I agree with Rob Bell and everything, but he does this book about the Bible, and I, I really track with some of the stuff he's saying on, on, you know, okay, who wrote that? When was it? What was going on at that time? Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a lot of things going on. Like people get literalists get in there and just screw everything up. So there's not a twelve-headed dragon that's going to come and destroy yeah. us all <laughs> with Damn. six faces. That would be cool. We should and have someone paint that like mural right here. You so you get your boils, right? My grandfather sent it to me once. What's I that? Had a, I had a boil on my arm or some damp thing, you know. And he's he looks at me and he looks at my boil and he says, you must have some sin in your life. <laughs> I kind of look at it, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I guess. Can you pop it for me? Because <laughs> I, I don't really want to. <laughs> you got to go to a priest squeeze, for that. Squeeze that shit yeah, That's where the band Godsmack got their name. Godsmack the band. They're named after that. Like if you get a, something a boil on your face or something like that, it's because yeah. you sinned. You have a Godsmack, and they named the band Godsmack, which I thought was pretty. I could tell you the story about how Corn got their name, but that's a Corn with a K. Yes, Corn with a K. <laughs> Look that up online, friends, if you wanted this really disturbing that, story. Uh, is that too? Is that too explicit for our explicit? It might be. That dude's it a big we are. Brian. <laughs> That's not too explicit, fuck. Yeah, yeah, he's big Christian guy now, or he was. I don't know how where how are he's at now. Yeah, didn't he come to a thing at Mars Hill back in the day? He might have. I don't know. He did that. I don't know. There was a lot of bands touring through that type of stuff. 
<laughs> I didn't go to any of those either. I wanted to go to the Cray was at Mars Hill. Um, yeah, there was a lot of big kind of Christiany bands that were sort of big at that time. I did concerts there. Uh, I can't remember them all, but anyway. So I'm picking on you again. Okay. So I listen to the words that people use. So you say he, you said he was a Christian. You said he is a Christian. And then he said, well, he was a Christian. So, well, so do in you the, it then? <laughs> I think that he may be. So I, I would say he's a Christian, but as far as how the Christian rock scene would say, would they say he relapsed or he backslid yeah. because he went back to the band Corn? So in their mind, I would say that maybe as far as where Christians are concerned, I have, I have issues with that word. Like, uh, but you're a Jesus to answer your to answer I'm your just question. An asshole. I just no, that's good. I like that. It's that's discourse. That's what we're doing here. Yeah. We have to keep it interesting. Wasn't he on? Uh, didn't he do a video <laughs> with I Am Second? Yes. Yeah, it's, I, I thought that's who he was. Anne Rice did one too. I thought hers was better. I'm an Anne Rice fan. Uh, interview with a Vampire. Okay. Uh, that Vampire books. Right. Yeah. No crossover. She's like back in the day though. Like what? Yeah. 1700s. No. No, <laughs> 90s, man. 90s? Yeah. Really? Yes. See, that shows you how much I know about literature. I don't Mary know. Shelley was the one that wrote yeah, Frankenstein Mary's. back in the what, 1800s. Hey, when you were younger, did they have pen and paper yet? Or were they <laughs> chisels? And... They were. I said that to my boss. He was. <clears throat> so I'm an engineer, and civil engineering, and we do a lot of drafting. And the old school stuff was paper and pen. Right. Well, mylar and pen. And so now it's all computer based, and you can just talk basically, and the fucking picture shows up. Anyway, so I was drafted, and he was telling me that it was wrong. And it's like, no, no, it's not. And explained why. And, you know, he's back in my day. And the guy in the other office, he goes, You use chisels and slate. <laughs> <laughs> but we always rag him because he's back in the He's a nice guy, though. Back when the Steelers were winning football games in Pittsburgh, yeah. they were still won, they're still winning football they're games now. They were just winning games. Super Bowls back then. Right? Yeah, that's right. Well, but they were winning. They were winning Super every Bowls year. Now. How many Super Bowl wins do they have? Six. Six. How many of the five? Six. The Seattle team. What's it? We got one. What's got the one. Seattle's name again? One and a half. Seahawks. Should have two. <laughs> should have beat the Steelers. Yeah, we should have three. When I first moved out here, um, everyone was you know like, "Sir, are you a Seahawks fan?" It's like, no. Oh, wait, you're from Pittsburgh. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I hate you, right? You know, it's like, wait, I didn't say I was a Steelers fan either, you know? And then, it was, then it was more like, you know, like, well, who, who do you root for? And I said, well, I root for the greatest football team on the face of the earth. Who's that? The Steelers. The problem is, is I hate the Patriots. Uh-huh. And they now have six Super Bowl wins as well. Yeah. So I can't say that I root for the greatest football team anymore. Just stick with the Seahawks and be sad with the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll see what happens this year. You never know. We'll pull out another Super Bowl. That's the best thing about preseason. Every team's a winner. That's right. Every, every team's got it, right? That The first game is when the hope dies. But but up until that first game, you're just sure your team's got it this year. <laughs> Unless you're the Titans. Or no, the Titans are good. Unless you're the Browns. Even then, the Browns can imagine, I think. You rocked me today, by the way. Speaking of hope. <laughs> Sorry. I am a little bit too real it sometimes. Was, well, it, and it's... You're right. You know, it's like... It is easier to... Or backtrack a little bit so our listeners can have an understanding. So yeah. I posted a thing at a closed group that we have. Talking about, I feel like I'm the lion from the, from the Wizard of Oz. Because, you know, at the beginning of the movie, he's just... I mean, hell, he's a lion, right? So he's king of the jungle. Well, I guess that's an ape. King of the pride? Right. Africa? Whatever. But he's just as, I mean, scared of everything. A little mouse runs across the, the walkway. He's afraid of it. Yeah. Um, and it just hit me whenever, you know, we were talking and you said about that it's just easier to believe that or think about people just hate you or judging you because it's, it's not a letdown whenever you're right. It's a conservative viewpoint, right? That's what yeah. people say about yeah, being a, a 
being a pessimistic is the most optimistic viewpoint because you're either pleasantly surprised or you're right. And that's the way you and I probably approach many social interactions, right? Yeah. It's just assume that they're judgmental pricks and that if you open their, your mouth that they're sitting there judging you because if you hope that they actually care about you and you're wrong, it hurts way more than you you just assume Assume that they don't care. It's a functional level of consciousness. Right. Yeah. But it's not healthy. But it's not, yeah. It doesn't doesn't bring you life along, well, yeah. From a pure survival standpoint, it works. Yeah. But from a enjoying life standpoint, it's not that effective. Yeah. And I sit at my desk crying. So what was the, what was the, the thing that, the hope thing that you got out of what Derek said, just that, or? Well, and it, I guess the truth is the, in all reality, people aren't talking about you. They're not judging you. They got their own shit to deal with. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to figure out their own shit. They're probably wondering the same damn thing about you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, okay, so in reality, not that they don't care about you, but they don't care about judging you per se. Yeah. I think the re- the reality is both relieving and really depressing. And the reality is they don't care enough to spend that much time thinking about how pathetic you are, right? <laughs> like, like they just, their lives are shitty enough that they, you know, they're not sitting there for two hours thinking, man, Chuck is such a fuck-up, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, just just doesn't, well, that's, like, that they're just dealing with their own shit. Like, like they just don't even care enough. I think that's when think you that. get outside the box and start thinking about asking questions of the other getting like like my friend uh jim henderson says getting unusually curious about the other right then you start to push uh, outside that that little boundary lines everybody has it right what were you gonna say see i think the thing that we see i know that i transferred to somebody else is stuff that i'm feeling about myself already mm-hmm. so i'm ex- I'm expecting them to feel about me the same way I feel about myself. Right. When, like you just said, Derek, they have no clue. And I think also, I think along those same lines, is those that we find that are so adamantly opposed to a specific sin, lifestyle, whatever, are those that possibly, I'm not going to throw a blanket over the whole topic, but possibly you're struggling with the same issue. Because I know in my past, things that I was most adamantly opposed to were things that I secretly would would think about. Yeah. Because you're trying to convince yourself as much as you're trying to convince yes. everybody yes. else. Yeah. And that's helped me is understanding that what I'm feeling is not what somebody else is feeling. Yeah. You know, I, can, I feel a lot more comfortable walking into rooms now. Because I've kind of helped myself, and that voice and the a voice of shame that sits in the corner is always whispering, "You're a piece of crap." And yeah, the dark passenger. Yes. What yeah. are you doing here? What do you got to say? Because I, when, when I, back in the day when I would do speak, speaking engagements, um, that's a voice that would always whisper just as I started to get up. What do you have to say to these people? Uh, you have nothing to say. Have you seen the film A Beautiful Mind? Russell yes. Crowe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I love that. It's because crazy those that you those brought that up because I I had like literally a beautiful mind moment a couple about a week ago. Sorry, oh, yeah. sorry, keep going with where you're going and we'll come back. No, I want to hear that now. After the uh the this awesome car passes by. <laughs> the free What was that, a fifty seven Chevy? Probably no, not. A diesel. We can't actually <laughs> see it. <laughs> you can believe it's whatever you think it is. That's right. I I choose to believe it was a fifty seven right, Chevy. Yeah. Reality says it's more than likely a Hyundai, <laughs> but or or F one fifty. Oh yeah, that could be too. So now did I? No. Your you still got it. Right? See, so that's my ADHD. I would have lost everything I was just about thinking about if I was if you were me. Anyway, it's okay. I'm get back on track, Russ. <laughs> I think that about you. Uh, Teach me that skill. So yeah, well, I was on a. You know, I've been struggling with the bipolar thing. Uh-huh. And starting about two and a half weeks ago, I had a really high peak. And then as part of the peak, my you know, I was just paying attention to so many other things that it's really hard for me to focus in those moments uh-huh. and, like, remember to do what I'm supposed to be doing. So I missed my medication for two days. And that was the first time that had ever happened. And I literally started to have beautiful mind moment, like at the end of that movie, 
where he just gets all delusional and he's putting together things that don't go together, right? And dry, and it was really, yeah, it was, it scared the shit out of me because I was able to at least like tell that was happening in the moment. Yeah. Uh, and my wife was able to walk me through it a little bit. But uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Like I was right. having delusions of grandeur and like, and yeah, just like, like in retrospect, it's really embarrassing looking back at it. And, and realizing that I was so serious about that at that moment, and then also looking at the, from the perspective like that was just complete bullshit. And I remember, and I went straight to Beautiful Mind in yeah. that moment because you know he's down in the basement, right? And he's like putting like pictures on the wall. And he's got string connecting all these things. Yeah. That there's you know you could draw a connection between, but there's not there's not a connection between those things. Yeah. And that's where my brain went. Uh, and it was really scary. It really freaked me out. But it was really awesome. To be able to walk with my wife through that because she was able to, she's one smart enough to figure out what was going on, and then speak into that and just say, "Hey, like, you know, because I had said the night before, hey, I missed my medication two days in a row. I don't know what's going to happen. I've never done this before, but you should know that." And then the next day, just like, like started freaking out, and so she was able to be like, "Hey, it's probably just your medication," and I was like, "Oh." Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. It probably is, and like everything just kind of settled it out from there. But uh-huh. yeah, I had I had a panic attack. I've never had a panic attack like that before. Like like everything was high and great, and and my brain was moving really fast, and I felt a little bit out of control. Kind of, I think I mentioned, you know, it feels like being on a roller coaster where you've been on five or six times, and you're like, well, I mean, this is still kind of fun, but I'm definitely close to the I'd like to get off point and if I think if I go around one more time I'm going to start freaking out and that's kind of where I was and then but my brain was just going and going and going and going and then all of a sudden just I just hit a brick wall and I like just I felt the bottom of my gut just drop out and I felt like like doom I don't know how else to describe it uh-huh. where like I, I thought like one of my kids was going to die like and it was going to happen and like I felt it uh-huh. and, and then I started to have a panic attack with a my wife had to lay me down on the bed because the blood left my head. I had to start doing breathing exercises. Uh, and then I came out of it uh-huh. and got back on my bed. It's so fucking weird. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just a crazy thing that, that, you know, I'm not even that, on that high of a medication, but just those little variances can totally change my personality. It's such an odd thing. Yeah, I've been there, but I used to take street drugs. <laughs> but but no, you laugh. But I, when I was sober, I would have those panic attack type moments. Right. Even being in school for me was difficult, and I would get home and do a bunch of drugs. I'd smoke a lot of weed. Sometimes right. that would help. We we're probably um, effectively doing the same thing, just yeah, less yeah. higher dosages. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and not real. And not regular. regular. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what I love about that film is, is the very end when he wins some award or something like that, and this woman comes up and goes, you know, uh, Mr. So-and-so, I forget his name, you just won this award, you know, the best teacher at whatever college he was at. And he, and he looks at another student next to him and goes, is she real? <laughs> so you know he's still, he's right. brilliant, but he still is dealing with his mental illness. And what I really liked about the end of that film was those two like demon characters. His demons, they're, they're there. They're nice there, and they're standing over there. Yeah. They're just kind of kicking around. Yeah, that's because they don't have any more power. They're just kind of over there. But they're not gone. Kind of, yeah, but they're not gone. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. I thought they're was powerful. They're still sitting there. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely can relate to that too. Like, I've got some stuff that's yeah. I, it's unhealthy for me to pretend that those things are. You know, to assume at this point that those are going away. And then I just need to have them, you know, insight so that I'm aware of them. And then, you know, have some accountability around me in terms of letting other people know. Right. Like, hey, that's something I'm dealing with. So if I start manifesting these behaviors, <laughs> right? Like, I'd probably talk into one of those demons again. Yeah. And maybe just tell me, hey, is that a demon? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. I just totally forgot that. Right. Hey, Derek, there's not really seven people here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what? Right. Well, I'll I'll push back on that a little bit because I've been on psychotropic pads and I'm not anymore. Um 
and that's just my personal choice. But also, I've talked to a few people in recovery groups that have been on on like Zoloft antidepressants mainly, Not and many have friends. said that right bipolar bipolar. But I've heard that there seems to be a, an emotional like bookmark from when they started the meds and when they got off them. Do you feel any of that at all? Like you're in a, in a sort of emotional limbo at times? I mean, you've only been on them for, what? Well, it's significantly changed my personality, kind of. And that, you know, so I, if if uh, 50% is right in the middle, right? Uh-huh. And zero is super depressed and 100 is, is super up. Um, it's pulled zero back to maybe about 40. Right. And it's pulled 100 back to like 85 or, you know, 80, 85. So now I'm within that range. And I'm more at like the, I'm probably more at like 65 now. And I used to be at like 25, like right. on average. Like I was just, just down, just couldn't handle life. And that's been weird. Like, oh man, like, like not only can I engage with things and want to do new things, but I can count on the fact that when I wake up tomorrow, I'll still want to do them. Because that's where I really struggled, is I'd be down, or like I'd be up, like, yeah, I'm gonna make some plans, I'm gonna go, you know, do all this stuff, I got great ideas, I got motivation, and the next morning I wake up and it's just all fucking gone. I just wanna sit in bed and uh-huh. turn on the TV, and, and, and then and it would be gone for like six weeks, right? Uh-huh. And now sometimes I wake up and I'm down, but, but I bounce back to, you know, back up to 55, 60, that afternoon and that's been just and it's gotten to the point I finally I'm past, I started in October it's gotten to the point where I'm like wow this might be normal now like this is the new normal now like at the beginning I didn't want to believe that that's actually where I would be right I was like well I'm just on a manic high and this is going to taper off like it always does uh, but I want more than six months in now uh, and it seems to be pretty constant. So as long as I take them, it's <laughs> like, don't forget to take them, right? Right. Yeah. So I, it's interesting because you were kind of tracking with Chuck and I on on some of the the stuff that's because we both went through childhood sexual abuse, and I think that a trauma, trauma's trauma, you know, right. and the way it manifests itself. Because I always thought that I was bipolar, mm-hmm. and I finally got professionally diagnosed just a few years ago and she's like you're PTSD mm-hmm. ADHD and uh, not just not just manic depressive but I can't remember I'd have to look it up hypermania or um oh, I, no I forget but it, it's it's pretty intense right like I can't buy fucking life insurance now right <laughs> to get that shit on my medical record uh, so, I mean, I can, but it's just expensive. Uh, but it's interesting how PTSD has the same, with me, it has the same. I have these high highs and low lows. I'm triggered, I guess, maybe I'm more triggered emotionally by different things mm-hmm. than maybe than someone with bipolar disorder. I see, you know, you know, fucking Mariners lose again. See, I keep bringing this back to the sports. sports. That's the theme. That's what... See, I told you no, we'd but... evolve a theme if we talked long enough. That's right. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm actually so, not triggered by the marriage. So this podcast, then, is the seventh inning stretch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're going... That means we only got two innings left, though. So. Yeah. Better make them count. <laughs> but I thought about... Sometimes I bring a pad in here. I don't have a pad today, but I'll write stuff down just because if I don't, I'll lose it. Right. That's part of my ADHD, like I was saying earlier about with you, and I'm not sure where that's why that is still, you know. Chemical wise, I could take meds for that, but they mess with my mood. They make me feel high, you know. I was a meth crack head, and they gave me Adderall, and I went, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's the other thing I've encountered as I'm doing this medication you gotta be your own advocate on the dosage they really do not know how to do the dosage well at all and where they were trying to get me to be at was easily five times higher than I should have been 
Uh-huh. And so, and that's, and like, people just, you know, they're doctors, right? You just trust what they say. Uh-huh. Like, they said it, they go, hey, this is normal. Oh, okay, I better get up to there. Um, and and that's, it's talking to some of my siblings, too, about some of this, because some of them have been on, you know, and they almost died, because they were just medicated on their brains, and they're like, well, I'm not going to fucking touch that anymore. Like, that, you know, that'll kill me. It's like, well, what if you try, like, a 20th of the dose, right? right. And that's something I've been in, engaging with, too, like... Like, these guys don't know. They don't know how your brain processes this type of stuff. You know, they've got some base, you know, you're about this this size and this weight and this type of thing. But, um, and that's been something I've been really engaging with is, um, you know, don't throw out. I mean, if you don't, if, you know, may, maybe Russ, you can't do medication at all. But also, like, so for some of the people that have tried it and really just uh-huh. didn't go really well at all, like, just tell your doctor, hey, I want to try like, like, what's the lowest dosage that pill comes in? Yeah. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to cut it in half. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. that type of thing. And but tell your doctor that. Right. By the way, we are not mental health professionals. No. <laughs> Go to your Consult doctor. Your, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Consult your veterinarian. Right. Pump theology makes no claims on <laughs> mental health and things of such. We do not diagnose. <laughs> <laughs> Medication can be helpful, but, but yeah. it's not the answer to everything. Seattle sports and can be depressing, and <laughs> it rains a lot here. So right. take that into if you live in anyway. So, Steve, sp- speaking of sports, Steve, uh, the the chaplain for the Seattle SuperSonics. How are you with basketball now that we don't have a basketball team anymore? What is it? Is it weird for you? Do you still, are yeah. you still a fan? Or I'm a casual casual fan uh, yeah. watching from a distance there's some certain guys that I follow um, I like from what I've read and understand uh, Steph Curry for the Warriors is a, is a pretty good dude yeah he's a great he's dude. legitimate he's a lot like uh, Russ Wilson uh, Kevin Durant's a good another good guy I met him his one year here in Seattle yeah he played Sonics um, so, you know, some of the guys you know, they follow they follow the UW guys that come out of out of the University of Washington and are in the league, Isaiah Thomas with the Celtics and yeah. Markel Fultz, who's I believe that's his, how he pronounce his name with Seventy uh, Sixers. So I do follow it, but I just I did not watch one of one, one entire game. Yeah. I probably have not watched one entire game since the Sonics left. Oh wow! Yeah. I just it's there, but it's not that big a deal anymore. And I honestly doubt we'll ever get a team back, at least not in my lifetime. I'm sixty one, so yeah. Do you know what the best site is on a basketball floor? Best what? Site. Best, best place to the, sit? Best place. No, 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 no. The best thing on the basketball floor is a wrestling mat. There's a wrestling mat? Yeah. That's where you have your wrestling matches. <laughs> the wrestling fan over here, Chuck. So you did you did competitive wrestling in college? No, no, just football. Oh, w- just w- football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Chuckster. Uh, the no, no, I, uh, the school that I went to didn't have a wrestling team, or I would have. Yeah. Um, and if I would have been more aware of, um, I guess, social cues, I would have gone to school. I would have gone to the University of Pittsburgh and wrestled, uh, but I was ignorant to a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And so, <laughs> literally, someone had to shake my ass and say, hey, this, this guy just asked you if you wanted to play football for them. <laughs> Really? That's not what he said. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. You idiot. <laughs> wow. So, but you you weren't into it. It was you felt like it was a job. The football portion. Like, hey, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you wake up before the sun gets up. Yeah. And you're on the field after the sun goes down. That's stupid. Yeah. This is a game. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. It's supposed to be fun. I can butt crack and dawn getting up. I don't do that. Well, I think with sports, I when I played, the thing that drew me was the camaraderie. The community, and I think looking back, when my kids played soccer, and that's one of the things as I look back from a distance now, I valued was the community of parents. On uh, you get together every Sunday or Saturday, depending yeah. on, on who you played and when you played, and you'd be up at eight o'clock in the winter, and it's pouring down rain sideways. But you're a kid there with community. Yeah. Uh, you go on uh, tournaments, go over to the dry cities and 110 degrees in the shade, which there is none, but the community. And I think 
that's what I enjoyed most about playing sports was community. I still enjoy even golf, uh, nine or 18 holes. You're there for two hours, you're there for four hours, depending on what course you're playing and when you're playing. But you're in that group of guys. And, and dudes, we especially love to have something in our hands. You know, if, if, if it's at church, we've got a coffee cup or a cookie or whatever, you know, and if it's a, if we're hanging out in the, in the shed, you know, we got power tools, uh, like have a swing a hammer or, or whatever. And in, in sports, it's that way too. We just, guys, we just feel like we've got to have something in our hands. And I'm actually, I'm just starting to in, enjoy uh, crabbing and fishing. And I love that because you're out on a boat for three, four hours letting your pots soak. And you're just in community with the four there. Yeah. That's something I think that we so miss is that community. I think that's a big part of why there are so many addicts. There's so many people with, yeah. with issues because we're not connected. There's a lot of study and research on this as well lately is wanting to use, you know, I, I've talked about that before, wanting to take the word addiction, throw it out completely and call it disconnection. Um, there's a, there's a, or, or the psychologist today calling addiction a, uh, yeah, like a connection disorder, like some kind of social connection is not being made or wasn't made when we were kids, but it can be made later. And I think that's one of the things we were talking about with sports is that it does bring people together. Did you guys ever see that commercial? And it was these, these two guys get in the car and one of them's old, one of them's a young guy. And, and the, the son is trying to kind of make some, you know, trying to get his dad to talk. And he's like, you know, how about those lions? And he finally is like, can you believe what you know? They, they, start, they start talking, and he, his face brightens up like he's connecting with his father over this sport. There's something to that, you know. I remember some of the best talks I had with my dad was over baseball. My dad was loved baseball. Uh. I played it up through uh, junior, sophomore year of high school, and we loved. Dad is still, you know, right up until he passed five years ago. Loved baseball. I'd go down the Mariners at least once a year um, and have an event of it. He loved it. I remember. Took, he took me to my first game as a, in, a, in uh, Philadelphia. I saw the Phillies play the Mets in like 1965. And I, I was six, 50, 65 or 66. Anyway, I was just thrilled to death. My dad and I. And that's the stereotype. You know, you're the dad and his son at a ball game. But that was my dad in my discussions. That's when we could talk. Yeah. It was over baseball. Yeah. Didn't care much for football, baseball, or anything else. Occasionally golf, but baseball. Yeah. Was it ever more than just baseball? The talk? Yeah. No. Never got deeper. And there's something to that, too. Like, sometimes I, I would get frustrated with my dad because my dad wasn't super deep. But what if that's enough? Mm-hmm. What if it's enough just to connect with him on a, on a superficial as, as sports or the weather? But you get to look in their eyes. You get to be in their presence and just say, maybe I'll tell my dad that. My dad's going to be here later in the month, which will be interesting, and my stepmom. Um, but that's something, you know, hey, Dad, you know, yeah, you're enough. Get that baseball game. You're enough. You matter. I still remember that. Yeah. I think that's a temptation when you start to get into groups like this because yeah. you really connect deep with somebody, and then you start to get frustrated that you don't have that with everybody. And then you start to like, you know, try and force people <laughs> to have that, and it just and it, turn into Doctor Phil. Right, and you just can't have that with everybody. And you need to learn to be content with the fact, like, That's there's good. just some stuff, yeah. like, you know, I'm really able to connect well with my wife on a lot of things, but there's just some things I'm not going to ever be able to go to the same level. And it used to really bug me, like, yeah. you know, and that was me projecting my idea of what marriage was like, right? Like, like you're supposed to be my closest. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my closest partner, I'm supposed to be able to connect with you on everything and share everything. I think that's kind of a myth about marriage. Like, 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 yeah, that's kind of a nice idea, but there's also just way higher stakes in marriage, right? Like, you can't just say something to someone that, like, like you're so invested in yeah. casually, and, like, it might totally freak them out. Because they're all going to, like, okay, what does this mean for my future that you believe this right now? And, like, so maybe you shouldn't be just blasting that out there right like that's why it's nice to have friendship with you guys right because yeah. you know i could freak you the fuck out 
but like you're gonna go home and be like, wow, that was kind of weird. But it doesn't actually, <laughs> right. it doesn't actually like affect me at all right here, right now, right? Like, right. like I still want to hear the corn story now. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Go home and, and, uh, and Google do a little search for the story. No, that, that's more. really good yeah. because I, I would tend to have that frustration with my wife as well. I want to go deeper. And I don't think she can. Right. And that's, yeah. and that's fine. Oh, that's okay. That's yeah. absolutely. It's probably just because exactly. it's scary. Cause, it is scary. Because she starts to go, you know, we have all this history together mm-hmm. and, and, and things seem okay, like things seem okay the way they are. Like, let's just. the glass going to fall off the table? Right. Yeah. It's like, 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 back to normal. Yeah. Let's yeah. just. You're going to go down the rabbit hole. Let's just do this. It's really risky to try and get that deep. Yeah. What do you mean the Holy Spirit's a woman? <laughs> right. <laughs> There we go. Look, Jesus, Jesus is not black. Yeah. He's white, and he has nice flowing hair. Yeah, like a metal singer, like on this yes. uh, this Catholic track thing we have on the table somewhere. Catholic, we got the Catholic. We got Jesus. white Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. He was and, a brown guy. And everywhere he walked, hair. he had the, the this weird halo-ish thing too. Sure. <laughs> because they painted what they saw, right? He had to. So, and that's but that's funny that. You know, you mentioned that because I've had that sometimes, like thinking about like that Super Bowl with the Seahawks lost to the Patriots, and people just oh, you know. I remember I think it was Marshawn Lynch. Somebody finally asked him like, "Why didn't they hand you the ball?" And he finally answered it because he I think it was after he had retired. You know, he's like, "Yeah, I don't know why they didn't hand me the ball. Why didn't they hand me the ball? I don't know." There was a great how's that make you feel? Lynch and uh, and David Carr, the quarterback for the Raiders. And he says, now wait a minute. You had first down at the one-yard line? Meaning, yeah. you know, we threw it three times until we intercepted it, but twice I forgot. I think yeah. one of my favorite yeah. sketches was he went on the league. Are you familiar with that, the TV show? No. Uh, it's fantasy football league thing, right? And, uh-huh. and so he does this guest appearance, and they're all sitting on the beach. And, uh, and one of the characters, uh, uh, one of the guys grilling. And he goes, hey, can you give me a beer? And the, and the guy sitting next to Marshawn, and Marshawn goes, hey, just hand it to me, and I'll run it over there. He goes, no, I think I'm going to throw it. <laughs> he goes, no, just like, look, just hand it to me, I'll run it over there. He goes, no, I think I'm going to throw it. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Marshawn's like, no, man, like, like, I'll just run it over. He goes, I'm going to throw it, and he throws it, and like, like, hits the guy in the head, like, the barbecue falls over, there's flames everywhere. Was, <laughs> That's awesome. What's the worst uh, that can happen? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and you could say that the Seahawks were using their frontal lobe portion of the brain. Right. Because they went, they, well, they went with statistics. Right. Statistically, uh, that's what I told my grandpa. Marsh, Marsh you got the ball. too fucking clever. Like, like sometimes just don't be too, don't be right. so goddamn clever. Right. Just, yeah. the project needed a big old sledgehammer. Just use a <laughs> yeah. big fucking sledgehammer. More power. <laughs> <laughs> it's all week and weekend. Yeah. More power. Anyways. Well, I think we should close this episode out on that point right there. Sometimes, you just need a bigger fucking sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for praying out there. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project LLC, 2017, all rights, whatever. <laughs>